You are tuned to KVMR-FM Nevada City KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, January 5th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. As wind-driven rain and flooding continue to wallop our region, the Kasumnas River is swamping sacred burial grounds of the Nisanon and Miwok. The California Report assesses the threat to the Wilton Rancheria. And, as always, we'll have your local forecast. There's a new theater company in Nevada City, and tonight the curtain opens on its first big production. KVMR's Nellan Gorin has a preview. We end with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report of Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. California continues to be lashed by what's called a bomb cyclone storm this morning, with forecasters warning about rain rates of up to one inch per hour in some places and winds of 70 and 80 miles per hour. The San Francisco Chronicle and many other news organizations are reporting two deaths connected to the storm. One, an infant in the Sonoma County community of Occidental who was killed when a tree fell on a home. The other reported fatality was a woman in Fairfield in Solano County who was killed during a crash. Here's Nancy Ward, the newly appointed director of the state's Office of Emergency Services, talking about what California faces this week. We anticipate that this may be one of the most challenging and impactful series of storms to touch down in California in the last five years. We could see widespread flooding, mudslides, and power outages in many communities. In response to such conditions, Governor Newsom has declared a statewide emergency that should allow state agencies to more rapidly deploy resources to affected communities. In case of floods and mudslides, the state has also positioned critical resources in 12 counties, including Contra Costa, Sonoma, and Sacramento. Meanwhile, municipal and county officials across the state are also sounding the storm alarm. At a press conference, San Francisco Mayor London Breed warned her city's residents about the dangerous conditions and she's asking people to avoid tying up emergency lines with non-emergency calls. We see the rainfall, it's coming down, it's coming down hard, and it's not letting up anytime soon. We can expect mudslides and a number of other issues, and so we're asking people to just really use the 311 line for non-emergency, non-life-threatening issues, and 911 when there is a life-threatening scenario. The storm is focusing a lot of attention on the state's complex and sprawling levee system. Those levees protect many communities and hundreds of thousands of people from flooding, especially in the Sacramento area and the Central Valley. But many levees are aging or poorly maintained and risk being breached or overtopped by water if rains persist. I talked about the dangers with Jay Lund, a professor of engineering at UC Davis. He worries people don't know much about levees and the critical role they play in protecting lives and property. I think that's an important concern. I mean, one of the reasons why you build levees is so people don't have to worry as much about floods. But if they don't worry enough about floods, then they're not prepared to evacuate when a levee is going to fail. And when there's a when you're when a levee is protecting you or protecting your house, you have to understand that there's a chance that that levee is not going to be enough. Either the water level is going to be higher than the levee or that the levee could fail before it overtops. So we always have to be mindful, I think, when we live behind levees, that it could fail, and it's much more likely to fail when the water's high. 
So, Professor, when it comes to the strength and the integrity of the levy system, how confident are you in it? Keeping in mind, of course, there are all kinds of levies and all kinds of conditions. And generally speaking, what kind of places do you worry about? The levy systems for the Sacramento region, uh, Sacramento area, have been upgraded considerably. So I think the, the bigger areas are relatively well prepared. Of course, if those levies fail, you have really thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people in some cases that are exposed to flooding. Whereas if you have a small town or an agricultural levy fail, then you might have a few dozens for a few hundred people that are exposed to flooding. And just on a very ground level, as California experiences heavy rains this week, if there are people listening to us talk who live in communities protected by a levy, would it be rational for them to take precautions and make preparations, even if there seems to be no imminent threat to the levy? Oh, yeah, I, I think so. If if I had a house behind a levy, particularly behind an older levy, um, or, or one that was weaker and not, not so well-maintained, I would keep all my family heirlooms on the second floor or up in the attic. I, I would make sure that I pay, was paying attention to the to the river forecasts. We have a, a marvelous system of river forecasting in the state of California. You can go on the website and find out, well, what's the what's the range of, of water heights that I can expect on the other side of that levee for the coming days, for the coming week? And, and so I have plenty of time to, to get ready. And um, when they're worried about a levy going, there's very good uh, dissemination of that to the county emergency officials and the police and fire departments to to get warnings out to people. Um, And you need to be prepared to move quickly, faster than the water. All right. We have been talking about California's levy system with Jay Lund, a professor of engineering at UC Davis. Professor Lund, thanks for joining us on the California Report. You're very welcome. Bye. Heavy rains from the storms have disturbed ancient burial sites around Wilton Rancheria in South Sacramento. Cap Radio Sarah Mises-Tan has more. Tribal leaders at the Rancheria are concerned that continued flooding from the Kasumnas River could be disturbing sacred burial grounds nearby. Dalton Brown is the executive director of administration for the Rancheria. He's asking members of the public to report any sightings of artifacts immediately to the tribe. The Kasumnas River is very important to our, our the tribe's Miwok and Nisanan ancestors, and we know there are burials nearby. Our concern is with the localized flooding, any of those burials being disturbed and possibly misplaced. The tribe has been hard hit by the river's flooding, and several dozen people have been evacuated since Monday. Others lost power. Officials were working to protect houses in the area to prevent further damage that could be caused by successive storms. For the California Report, I'm Sarah Mises-Tan in Sacramento. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford HealthCare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And that is the California Report for Thursday, January 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. 
I'll remind you that you can get a lot more California Storm news from your part of the state by listening to your local public radio station and checking out their websites and social media. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and please stay safe in all this wet weather. In regional news, two people were injured by gunfire Wednesday afternoon in the 400 block of French Avenue in Grass Valley after police responding to a report of a theft encountered an armed suspect. While searching the area, officers heard a shot and found the initial reporting party suffering from a gunshot wound. This information comes from a news release issued at noon today by the Grass Valley Police Department. The release said the suspect then fired at least one round toward a CHP officer standing outside his vehicle on French Avenue. While officers chased the suspect on foot, the suspect fired again. Two Grass Valley police officers returned fire, striking the suspect. The victim and suspect were treated on scene and taken to hospitals. Grass Valley Police Lieutenant Brian Blakemore told KVMR this afternoon that the suspect is listed as being in serious but stable condition. Blakemore said the status of the victim, who sustained a gunshot wound, was unknown, but that at last report he was expected to recover from his injuries. No officers were injured in the incident, which took place at about 4.15 p.m. A firearm was recovered from the suspect who has been identified as 26-year-old Austin Wallace of Grass Valley. The victim has not been identified. The Grass Valley Police Department is investigating the incident, along with the Nevada County Multi-Agency Officer-Involved Critical Incident Team, which is led by the District Attorney's Office. Law enforcement has asked that witnesses or anyone else with information about the incident contact the Nevada County Regional Dispatch Center at 530-265-7880. The Nevada Irrigation District reports via ubinet.com that as of Wednesday, its reservoir storage stands at 117% of its nine-year average. Its reservoirs are at 80% of capacity. As of Wednesday, NID had measured more than 38 inches of precipitation, which is 142% of average for this time of year. NID reports that due to our recent rains, foothill reservoirs are currently full and spilling. Turning to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service, the wind and rain that moved in Wednesday afternoon is nearly behind us for the moment. Friday, we'll largely have a break from the wild weather, Widespread rain and high elevation snow is expected to return Saturday with another period of moderate to heavy rain Sunday. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, rain mainly before 10 and a low around 37. South winds may gust as high as 20 miles per hour. The chance of rain is 80% with new precipitation amounts of up to a quarter of an inch possible. Friday is expected to be mostly cloudy with a 40% chance of rain, a high near 49, and southeast wind up to 10 miles per hour. Friday night into Saturday morning, rain is likely mainly after 4 a.m. with a low around 40. Winds will subside to 5 to 7 miles per hour. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, a winter storm watch is in effect until 4 a.m. Friday, This evening, snow is likely mainly before 10, with a low around 19. New snow accumulation of up to 3 inches is possible. Expect southwest wind around 10 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Friday, we'll see a slight chance of snow and a high near 36. 
After 10 p.m., a low in the mid-20s and a chance of snow, with a possible new accumulation of less than half an inch. Tonight in Sacramento and Woodland, a 50% chance of rain, mainly before 10, with a low in the mid-40s. Friday, expect a slight chance of rain with a high near 57. Friday night into Saturday, rain likely, mainly after 4 a.m., with a low around 48. South-southeast wind will clock in at around 10 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. A brand new live theater company is putting down roots in Nevada City, and tonight is the debut of its first full-fledged musical production. KVMR's Nellen Gorin pulls back the curtain for a preview of Into the Woods. Today in the KVMR studios, I'm talking with David Endicott Hicks, the artistic director and president of the board of the Lyric Rose Theater in Nevada City, and the director of its latest production, the Tony Award-winning musical Into the Woods which opens on January 5th at the Nevada Theater. David, thanks for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me. First, for anyone who hasn't seen it before, can you tell us what Into the Woods is about? So the story of Into the Woods follows some of our favorite fairy tale characters. We the, the main characters are actually Little Red is in it as well, so Little Red Riding Hood, and Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk. We also have the baker, the baker's wife, and they're met by a bunch of different other fairy tale characters, some of our favorites. So Prince Charming, Cinderella, there's the wolf who um, who makes a cameo appearance in that in the musical. And then we follow the baker and the baker wife to um, on their quest to find a, a potion and this potion is to help them have a child and I don't want to give too much away but their neighbor who is the witch is intertwined in this whole story about them finding this potion and actually they don't know this but the potion actually that they're going to put together is actually for the witch and she is on her own little quest and the baker and the baker's wife don't even know it. So I, I think one of the the things our listeners will be curious about is this a show just for children or is it for adults as well children can are, are can definitely enjoy the show but f- there's a lot of adult jokes and things like that in the show that the kids won't even get probably but it's it is definitely more of an adult show there's a lot of underlying you know it's Stephen Sondheim so when it comes to Stephen Sondheim the the lyrics to the songs and the book are just so brilliant and um, there's always double meanings happening throughout the show but definitely it's it's a, it's a show for everyone but I will say that the the first act is uh, seemingly ends very very happy happily ever after and then the second act comes around and things kind of go a little bit haywire and so the second act is definitely a little bit more dark and there are some um, deaths in (laughs) in the show but you know again it's fairy tale death people disappear into a cloud of smoke and then they are dead or things like that so it's not you know it's it's definitely suitable for all ages i'm such a huge sondheim lover this is by far my favorite sondheim Hmm. just because what he did was he took these fairy tale characters and then told a story that really 
that's full of life lessons. There's a life lesson, seriously, every five minutes it almost feels like in the show. And, um, you know, it's it's just a beautiful story. It's beautiful music. It's actually, it's very difficult. So I have to give a shout out to my cast as well because it's a community theater production. And I, this is my first production for adults in, in the area. And, and I wasn't sure who would come out and I wasn't sure the actors that we would get. And honestly, there are some very, very talented people in our community and thank goodness because I'm not sure if we could pull off a show of this caliber without these amazing community players that we have in in Nevada County. It's really, really, really exciting. And I'm co-directing the show with with Judy Merrick, um, and uh, she is just a, a, a wonderful person because and uh, just a wonderful addition to the show. But we are because we're both actually in the show as well. And this is a full production with costumes and sets, not a, just a reading. Because Correct. we have a lot of these in the community where, yeah. So people are going to get the full shebang yep. of costumes and yep. everything. So and, and do you have an orchestra? We do. And so it's a smaller orchestra. We're, we're doing a chamber orchestra. So Into the Woods is running. So it's, it's the 5th through uh, the 15th. So it's the 5th, 6th, 7th. Um, those are 7:30 shows, and then I have a matinee on that Sunday on the 8th, and then it, and then we take a couple days off, and then we're back on the 12th, 13th, 14th, and those are 7:30 shows, uh, the evening shows, and then our last show is a matinee on the 15th. And it's in the beautiful historic Nevada Theater. And for those of you who haven't been in since before the pandemic, there's now an astounding mural all over the theater, which I feel is worth the price of admission alone and then you could see a wonderful show if you it's gorgeous and actually we built that mural into our set Ooh, exciting which is great you have any idea what you're going to do for your next show i will say we will be doing mama mia oh mama mia that's going to get a lot of people excited yes in 2023 okay so keep keep your eye out for audition notices because you know we we want to get everybody involved in this community. I know there are so many talented people in this community and um, we're really excited about doing Mamma Mia this coming year. I, I, I'm not going to say any dates right now because no, those you aren't don't, you finalized, don't but um, keep a lookout for, for those for performers in the community. Where would the audition notices be found? We can uh, you to- know, uh, honestly, a lot of it is on... It, we, Social media is a great place to, to, to do that. We're on Instagram. Um, we're on Facebook. So and you, you have know, a website. And also the website, of course. Yeah, lyricrosetheater.com. David, thanks for being with us Thank today. you so much for having <laughs> me. I, I look forward to the next one. To hear more about the Lyric Rose Theater and its upcoming production of Into the Woods, go to the podcast section of the KVMR website and stream or download our full interview with David Endicott Hicks. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet Somebody bashed my car last night, a sidelong smack that broke one of my taillights and scraped the metal around it, but otherwise isn't noticeable. When I got out of the restaurant and read the note under my windshield, it took my friend and me three tries in the dark to find what had happened. The note was not from the basher, but from a bystander, giving me the make and model of the offending car and its license plate number. Later, I called this bystander who was cleaning out a culvert in anticipation of our oncoming storm, and he texted me a photo of the basher's car, a frame that said P. 
peace and Santa Cruz surrounded the license plate. I had mixed feelings about all this and put off calling my insurance company for a few hours this morning just to kind of settle down. I was irked. I was annoyed. I felt exhausted to deal with a bureaucracy. I hate having to take care of problems I didn't cause myself. This was about the 200th unexpected outlay of money in the last month. On the other hand, the bystander was very sweet to leave me a note and fun to talk to when I called to thank him. My car is old and somewhat scraped up, so the new addition barely stands out. I liked Debbie at AAA, who took my claim. We had a good laugh about the weather. I liked the rent-a-car guy who called later to tell me the steps to take if the body shop needed to keep my car overnight. I felt oddly cradled by a system that knows exactly what to do when someone bashes your car. At this very moment, however, AAA is being miserly with a friend of mine who suffered injuries in an accident that totaled her car, so let's not give them too much credit. The individuals we speak to are different from the corporation that's trying to placate shareholders instead of doing right by their customers who get hit by uninsured drunk drivers and need long-term help. I have a deductible for collisions, it turns out. I never remember insurance details. Debbie thought it unlikely the basher would admit his guilt since he didn't leave a note, so I'll end up paying for the taillight. I should mention here that I too have crunched into another car and left the scene without leaving a note. I was so horrified at myself that I didn't want to admit it, and I was also late to teach a class, so I drove off. But by the time I got to the classroom three blocks away, I had come to my senses and called the Nevada City Police Department to confess. No one in that case reported my malfeasance or wanted my insurance info. This gives me kinship to the basher, which is annoying. I'd prefer to feel righteous and maligned. But I understand, I do. Cars just get bigger, parking places smaller. Some of us are not so young and don't turn our heads well or gauge distances perfectly. We all have places to go. Still, I want to post that license plate photo on social media. Something about peace and Santa Cruz got under my skin. In deference to the car I bashed, though, I'm going to refrain. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for Thursday, January 5th. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Circle's Wild and Scenic Film Festival. Festival goers can expect films about nature, community activism, adventure, conservation, environmental justice, and more. The 21st Annual Film Festival will take place February 16th through 20th. Information, wildandscenicfilmfestival.org. And for Paws Animal Clinic, Dr. Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR, providing medical, dental, 
alternative and surgical services for cherished companions on Searles Avenue, Nevada City for pawsac.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Join us Friday evening for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.